12.03, time for our friend Tom Curran. It is Tuesday. We do have some football to discuss, but I got a got a sneaking suspicion there. Some Celtic takes on the way. Tom Curran is brought to us by Dr. Matthew Lapresti and Leonard Hair Transplant Associates, the hair doctor of Tommy Curran at 1-800-GET-HAIR by Awaken 180 Weight Loss. Become your own success story by dropping the weight, holding you back. It starts with just one call to Awaken 180. And by Unified Office, where they help businesses maximize every incoming call at unifiedoffice.com to the Harbor One Hotline. Tommy Curran, good afternoon. How are you? Good, sir. What's up, boys? Hello, Tom E. Curran. How well, are you? you know, Tommy, what we're trying to figure out today, and I'm going to ask you... The question I asked Fourier about the Celtics game for tonight, is this either a triumphant last stand or a magnificent disaster tonight? That's really interesting. When we finished our show last night, we walking off, I said, they're either going to win by 30 or lose by 20. I just don't see a close game. They're a better team. They have better players. Um, but there was a sense of resignation that we've seen in the last couple of games, especially um, Sunday night, that you know kind of permeates and has to really take root when a team's down 3-0. But I don't want to be – I want to caution against people walking the plank with drastic takes on firing Joe or you know committing to things before the season ends. Because what if they get it back to 3-2? to What if they get it to 3-3? to what if they win the friggin' series? Then everybody has to walk back every take, and we start back at zero. Things could change. Yeah, true, they could. But I will ask you this. I, I brought this up to Gresh, and we're going to do this a little bit later. Okay, uh, heat culture versus Patriot way. Which one is better, or are they the same? They're the same. They, they really start with um, ownership. And your general manager, there's one voice in the Miami Heat culture. It's Pat Riley. Pat Riley is in charge of everything, from bringing in LeBron to shepherding in Spolstra to making sure that worked, to having Spolstra understand exactly what kind of a team Pat Riley wants, to having a superstar who values the same things that Tom Brady valued with Bill Belichick and the Patriots organization, selflessness, Booing the players around you, caring little or nothing in the nascent stages of the Patriots dynasty about your own abilities and stats and honors. And then as you become a great player, still continuing to filter it around. It's not a collaboration in Miami. It is a collaboration with the Celtics. And I think that that is somewhat to the detriment. I think that the Patriots and the Heat are somewhat mirror images of each other. And it's hard to do in the, in the NBA. There's fewer players. The stars are bigger. There's not the orchestration that goes on in a continuous action game the same way that there is in um, football where it has stop action and a coach can have outsized impact. But I really think their cultures are similar in that there's a very defined pecking order. Yeah, and there's a couple things that stood out to me. One, Brogdon's uh, quote yesterday that we've been playing about, hey, they're a well-coached team. They play consistent uh, possession to possession. That sounds like a, a quarterback or a defensive coordinator talking about the Patriots overall. And the manufactured chips on their shoulder, right? The grudge, like nobody respects us. Nobody like believes in us. Everybody thinks we suck. Like That is also part of the heat culture slash Patriot way. 
Agreed. And scheme can overcome. Execution yeah. can overcome. You can be the most talented player in the world. But if you're Jalen Brown and you're an all-NBA player, and I've been hearing for years that's an elite defender, and I watch him get beat back door for three years running, mm-hmm. or I watch him get lifted by an eyebrow raise from Gabe Vincent, I'm like, that's, that's not disciplined. So if you're, I mean, if you're a vastly more talented player, but you don't execute the very simple fundamental things you learn in eighth grade in the Eastern Conference Finals, or you leave a Hall of Fame shooter in the corner, in the semifinals, as he did with James Harden, then those are just breakdowns that you can't have from your best players. I know that you started, Tommy, because uh, I was one of those who was saying, hey, man, everybody's going nuts on timeouts and Missoula and da-da-da. Let's start to look at these guys and look at these players a little bit. And I know in reading some of your tweets, you've kind of leaned that way as well, that, hey, Missoula could have called all the timeouts he wanted in Game 3. They still quit Tommy, do you think this is like a big point in this group's Celtics history tonight, meaning that if it goes bad, they could go in a direction in terms of retooling this team and roster in a way that we weren't thinking about even just two months ago? Yes, and I think that Joe Mazzulla is kind of collateral damage or not a side issue because obviously he's the head coach. But the speed with which Ime Odoka was dismissed, the lack of answers going to the players, their belief perhaps that they would have been a better team and were a championship-level team with Ime Odoka and then had to reboot, it went away when the team picked up where it left off by dint of its talent and experience at the beginning of the year. But then when it started to go a little bit south in the second half of the season, I'm sure they're saying, look, all the other teams are getting better. We're getting worse. We just lost Damon Stoudemire off our bench. So, and our coach can't help us. So I wanted to uh, – nothing like a football guy breaking down basketball, and I think this is key because, like, everybody has a strong opinion of the Celtics because everyone's so locked in. I think it's obvious what the problems are, so I appreciate you jumping in on that. But I had a question for you because I think that it's uh, – you know, so the NFL, like you know, they're they've uh, the the draft has been announced that it's going to be in uh, Green Bay in what twenty twenty six twenty twenty five twenty twenty five. It's Detroit in twenty four. Yeah. Green Bay twenty five. So you know, with everything the the Gillette Stadium can do, as as active as Robert Kraft is, World Cup, all these other events, like why isn't it? the Patriots and the city of Boston or Gillette that is getting something right there. I feel like they'll never get a Super Bowl, but couldn't they throw them a bone with a draft? Well, I think you have to present and try and solicit the opportunity. And I'm not sure how hard I'll try and find out, you know, in the coming you know months to find out, do they want that? Is that something they covet? Um, because, you know, what would you do? Would you have it at Gillette in the plaza? On the field, would you have it at Patriot Place? Would you have it at the Seaport? Would you have it um, downtown? But what would be the location? I think would be interesting. And maybe they have, in the past, and I'm totally blanking on it. Made runs at having the draft, but you know, it, it's it's interesting to look at how many primetime games they still have. It's interesting to observe the fact that I think they're going to be a better team, and Mac Jones is going to be a better quarterback, and they're going to be worthy of being focused on this year. And Bill Belichick's chasing the highest record in coaching history in the NFL. So they're going to be a focal point team, I think, over the next two seasons. So 
I still think their brand is strong, believe it or not. Tommy, I'm I'm not against that at all. I think you're right in that the you know, the proof is in the pudding, and you're right. Maybe it's some of it is tied into to Belichick, and there is intrigue as to what's going to happen now that Matt Patricia is gone. I'm curious for your thoughts on this latest schedule adaptation by the NFL. Weeks 13 through 17, two of those weeks, as long as there's 28 days notice, you can take a Sunday game and move it up into Thursday. Each team only plays two Thursday night games. I think it's the NFL owners telling fans, you guys are the short money. We can abuse you. We don't care about you. It's all about the long-term dough. What do you make of this latest uh, schedule change that the owners have okayed? Yeah, it's obvious lip service paid to player safety and the fans. As John Mara described, it's abusive. It's a, the New York Giants owner, who's been around his family since the outset, called it an abusive practice to be able to reschedule games. And, yes, you get a month. Okay. So say, for instance, you were planning on going to Vegas on a Sunday night with your buddies to go watch – you know, whatever game, Vegas and Miami. And then they flex it a month prior to the previous Thursday night instead, or the following Thursday night. Well, now three of your friends drop out, and you're stuck with a, you know, ticket change. And those hundreds, couple hundreds, and the money loss matters to the normal consumer. But the normal consumer is not as important as Jeff Bezos and Amazon. So um, where they're going to be, continuing to stream those games. So the NFL can pay as much lip service to player safety and trying to create the experience for the people across the country as they want, but it's money. It always will be money. It always has been money. So we're talking with Tommy Kern, and the last question for me is, like, I want to know if you could explain this whole NFL new fair catch rule that's on a one-year basis and why everybody's so upset about it because I, I read through it and I don't understand why players would feel like this is, uh, you know, a, a bigger cause for concern as far as injuries are related. Yeah, I don't get it. Special teams, yeah, it's interesting. I, I found that eye-opening too. Special teams coordinators were able to convince the league that those, some of those mortar kicks that would now, you know, be more in vogue or less in vogue. I can't they would create more collisions. I was confused by it. Look, yeah, because it, it's a fair, like, I'm fair off, catching it. the thing at the 25. Wait, say that again? If you don't want kickoffs, just put the thing at the 25. Well, I think I mean, that, isn't that really the core of the fight is that the NFL and the competition committee seems to be going towards more of that and guys who play special teams and coach special teams are like, now, wait a minute, let's take a deeper look at this. Like, they even got to the point, Tommy, to where a special teams rep from every team ended up getting on a call on this one. Like, there was a real kind of call to arms, so to speak, in the whole special teams world over this rule over the past, like, 10 days, apparently. Again, that's and it'd be interesting to hear from some of the hierarchy in the NFL in terms of the guys who are at the top of the roster, not the guys who are numbers 37 to 53, but can you go to bat for the rank and file player who is Brendan Schooler or Matt Slater who's obviously a high level one, but you know, the guys who are clinging to special teams hopes to try and create opportunities to be on the roster. I mean, you're basically trying to create haves and have nots by delegitimizing the kicking game. And I think that that's really it's it's a class it's class warfare. The kicking from, game doesn't matter. 
Well, from some sell tickets. Well, from something that I did read on this, apparently there's worry of a of a phone booth effect to where it would potentially. Here's here's the way it was written. Uh, coaches instructing players to kick the ball high to the 15 or 20, forcing the returner to make a decision. In such a circumstance, the cover team would still have to cover the kick. The return team would still have to block to protect the return. So most of the collisions would still be happening only in a smaller space that on paper could have a phone booth effect, making the, mm. the hits more frequent and more violent. Apparently that's yeah. a part of the argument. I guess I, I still think that if you kick it off to the one guys are at full speed as opposed to slowing down to see what's going on, but you're still moving pretty quick and you're 247 pounds. So somebody's going to get hurt. It's just, it's, it's a reality of the game. Guys are too big, too strong, too fast and ligaments are going to break and organs are going to get jostled and brain cells are going to be lost. So let's play more, so let's play more games on Thursday. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, Good night, everybody. With, with a short <laughs> amount of time to get ready. I tell you what. It, it's what so a dichotomy they are, it's right? It's just amazing. How do they keep a straight face? Like I mean I just like I mean personally I used to love the short week. I loved them. Easy practices, all walkthroughs, but that's normal now. From you know, the, from the start. That's of camp. Monday through Friday. Yeah, yeah. And from the start of camp, they don't hit ever. So having a Thursday night game is not like a real advantage. Like in my opinion, like it used to be, Tom. Yeah, and I think with Thursday night games, you know, the players do get an extended week, as Bill will say. For every long week, there's a short week. Every short week, there's a long oh, week. Thank but you, Bill. Thank you. You do get a built-in, and the Patriots, I believe, Captain Obvious. I have to look at it. They have a good um, Thursday night schedule in terms of buys and teams coming off buys too so that's i think the patriots have a long lag time after their they play a thursday night and then a monday night toward the end of the season so you get an extra time on the back end with that one and then of course there's a short week after that because you played monday night but the point remains tommy kern of nbc sports boston thank you friend we appreciate it enjoy the game tonight we'll catch you next week all right hopefully we're still talking talk celtics Let's hope so. We'll see. There goes our friend Tom E. Curran of NBC Sports Boston with us on the Harbor One Hotline.